So Jews are thought to have lived in Spain from the Second Temple period, more than 2,000 years ago. In fact, the Jews in Toledo had a document written by an earlier monarch um, that testified that the Jews of Toledo were in Toledo during the days that the founder of Christianity was um, killed, and therefore they are not responsible for his death. Now, we don't know if that's actually true, but um, it was definitely something they came up with in order to save themselves from the accusation that all Jews are responsible for his death somehow. But regardless, they definitely had a small but sizable Jewish community during Roman times. In 313, Rome adopted Christianity. Um, and as a result, the Jews of Spain, like Jews throughout the Roman Empire, began to face persecution. There were limits on what Jews could do. Until then, while Jews had been persecuted on and off in the Roman Empire, they were basically citizens of the Roman Empire um, or subjects of the Roman Empire like any other people. Um, but once Rome adapted Christianity, Jews became um, hated, undesirables, and um, there were many decrees limiting their professions, limiting their ability to own slaves, limiting... Um, this is when slavery was very common, uh, limiting their interaction with Christians, um, sometimes forcing them to um, live in um, spe specific places, later becoming what we knew later as ghettos. Um, so for years, the Jews lived in Spain, as they did throughout the Roman Empire, in persecution. Usually the persecution was local. In other words, it wasn't um, Rome-wide throughout the massive Roman Empire po policies, but it was local policies by local rulers. In the 7th century, the Muslims burst out of the Arabian Peninsula, and within a few decades, they conquered all of the Middle East and North Africa. And as they moved across the Middle East and North Africa, and they colonized North Africa, Jews from Babylon and from Egypt that had previously very, very large communities followed the Muslims to newly captured lands and settled in the newly built cities across North Africa uh, where they built trading posts. Jews were always traders. And so large Jewish communities sprung up all across North Africa. In the early 8th century, the Muslims in Morocco um, invaded Spain and they gradually captured most of Spain. And many Jews that were living in Africa followed the Muslims to Spain and settled in Spain. At the same time, there was some persecution of Jews in Babylon, in Mesopotamia, Iraq, where the largest Jewish community at the time was. This was also part of what was the Caliphate, a kind of Arab empire, but it wasn't because it was so large, it was somewhat decentralized. So each place was, um, Jews were treated differently, um, and within pretty quickly it fell apart into small kingdoms. So Jews in Babylon were being persecuted. Many of them moved westward. Um, and the most popular place, although it was far for Jews from Babylon to go, appears to have been Spain. So many, many Jews moved to Spain in very, very large numbers. By the early 900s, the number of Jews in Spain numbered tens of thousands. They had built a large, thriving Jewish community across all of Muslim Spain. At this point, most of Spain, except for the northern part, uh, Barcelona, Catalonia, most of Spain was um, in the hands of the Muslims. Um, the Christians only held the very north. So Jews here became very successful. They built great schools, communities, yeshivas. They built businesses. 
Um, they, many of them were artisans, professionals, financiers. Um, many of them were scientists, science at the time, doctors, astronomers, um, philosophers, poets. And uh, this was really the golden period of Jews in Spain. Jews um, held positions of power, although they were technically se second-class citizens in Muslim Spain, because Jews in Muslim world were always second-class citizens. They still held a lot of power and uh, were often appointed to high positions, including many Jews in the various kingdoms in Spain, which became split into various Muslim kingdoms, became vizier, which was kind of the prime minister or the leader of the country under the king. Um, many Jews held that position and other important ministries and political positions and also became very wealthy. So tragedy came to the Jewish community in Spain in 1148. Generally, historically, Muslims tended to be, although they were, didn't always treat the Jews great, they tended to be somewhat tolerant of Jews. There were moments of intolerance, there were pogroms, um, there were limits on what Jews could do um, in various Muslim countries, but they tend to be generally tolerated. Um, and Muslims in general also tolerated Christians and members of other religions, um, and uh, generally, even if they were second-class citizens. In the early 1100s, a movement, broke, uh, a movement rose in North Africa and Morocco called the Almohids. The Almohids were a fanatical Muslim group. We could probably compare them to modern-day ISIS. And um, they forced, they believed that everyone had to be Muslim. And it was become Muslim or die. And so in 1148, the Almohids quickly captured much of um, Morocco, Algeria, and um, in 1148, they attacked Spain, and they captured much of Muslim Spain. Wherever they came, they gave all Christians and Jews a choice to either die or convert to Islam. And so as a result, the community in Spain was totally decimated, the Jewish community in Spain. Um, many Jews fled. Maimonides was a child or a young man during that period. His family fled. Um, eventually he ended up in Egypt during that period. Um, the, uh, and, but most Jews actually moved to northern Spain. Northern Spain, uh, Barcelona, um, and the uh, Catalonia, the areas in northern Spain that were under Christian rule, the Christians that until then hadn't been very tolerant, took the opportunity and invited the Jews in. And really, the Almohads really, um, with their invasion of Spain, with these incompetent rulers in Muslim Spain, and now with Jewish financiers and Jewish support in northern Spain, the Christians began a campaign that became known as Reconquista to begin conquering back Spain from the Muslims. Um, and the Jews helped them because they had a horrible life under the Muslims. And they did face, and so gradually Christian Spain expanded, spreading further and further south. Um, and the Jews succeeded in Christian Spain. They did face persecution. It wasn't, life wasn't rosy in Christian Spain. They faced, they faced um, regular pogroms. There were anti-Jewish decrees, limits on what Jews could do. And yet they continued to thrive. They still had large Jewish communities, large yeshivas, large schools. They amassed wealth, power, 
Um, and many Jews, well, most Jews, we, when we say Jews were wealthy, of course, the vast majority were poor, as is in any community. But there were a significant minority that had become very, very successful. So they were, we could call it, relatively peaceful. They still faced pogroms from time to time, blood libels, other accusations. Um, they were forced to debate um, Christians. Um, my Nachmanis Ramban was famously forced into such a debate um, against the Christians. Um, but with that, they still managed to thrive within the limits that they had. That relative tranquility came to an abrupt end in 1391. Miriam, can you go to the other room? So that came to an abrupt end in 1391. There was a archdeacon, which apparently is the senior layperson um, in Seville, whose name was Ferrand Mar Martinez, and he was a rabid anti-Semite. And he used to um, preach in Seville, and he used to um, tell the people to attack the Jews, to harm the Jews. The Jews kept going to the king, asking for protection against him. Anyway, things came to a head in 1391. Um, I, he aroused, violence erupted in Seville, where he um, encouraged them to attack the Jews. He encouraged them to attack the Jews. And an estimated 4,000 Jews were killed in Seville alone. Many more converted to Christianity in order to save themselves. They were given the option to convert or die. Um, it was one of the largest pogroms um, that we know of at the time. Um, and, but violence didn't stop in Seville. It quickly spread across Spain and Portugal um, and across all the Christian um, Spain and Portugal. And with local priests often egging on the violent crowds to attack Jews, by one estimate, 50,000 Jews were killed in this wave of violence across Spain. And thousands more were forcibly converted to Christianity. And from that point on, from 1391, Jews faced continued pogroms and persecution in Spanish lands, and life was never peaceful. Every couple of years, there were more major pogroms. Jews were killed, um, always some forcibly converted, but the majority preferred to die rather than um, convert to Christianity. And so Jews faced constant persecution. Now, at this point, due to these pogroms and due to these forced conversions, there were large numbers of Jews. By 19, after 1391, there were thousands of Jews, and it appears to have grown into the tens of thousands over the years. Um, there were large numbers of Jews that had converted to Christianity. Some of them openly accepted their new faith. Some even um, took on anti-Semitism as well, became self-hating Jews. We know of many that then went on to encourage pogroms and to participate in pogroms themselves. Uh, but there were some that continued to secretly practice Judaism. They had been forced to convert. They did not want to. They were forbidden once they converted. It was illegal for them to return to Judaism because a Christian was not allowed to become Jewish in Christian Spain. But So they didn't have a choice. They had to stay where they were unless they fled the country, which some did. Um, so many, some at least, um, continued to secretly practice Judaism. 
Now, the Christian population were on constant lookout for these conversos, for these people that had converted, constant lookout in case they were secretly practicing their faith. Um, it's widely believed by historians today that the secret conversos weren't all that common, but rather the Christians hated the new Christians they, because they saw them as really Jews. Um, firstly, these were often talented, wealthy Jews who, um, na until now, were forbidden from occupying certain positions. They couldn't hold a position in government. They couldn't be in the military. They couldn't um, hold certain arts and be part of certain arts and guilds. And now they're Christian. They could do whatever they want. Um, and so now they felt threatened by them. But they also had this hatred um, for these Jews. And in fact, they, were, they passed many laws that anyone who had Jewish ancestry, even though they had converted to Christianity, was forbidden from holding public positions. Anyone who had Jewish ancestry, and there were many laws against Christians with Jewish ancestry. And all the while, they were on constant lookout if they noticed that a converso or someone from a converso family had, um, whom they called Muranos, which means pigs, they would, uh, if they... Uh, if they didn't show up in church on Sunday, it was evidence they were secretly practicing um, Jews. If they closed their stores on Saturday, it was evidence they were secretly practicing Jews. And they looked for all sorts of flimsy evidence to um, find these people, and then they would torture them, make them confess um, that they were secretly practicing Jews, um, and often they would kill them as well. So, um, so as this movement in Spain against these conversos, these Jews who had converted to, Jew to Christianity grew, um, the church finally um, convinced the um, king to allow an inquisition to be created, a special prosecutor and prosecutorial office whose job will be just to find crypto-Jews. That would be their full-time occupation. And so in 1478, they created this office of the Inquisition. And the Inquisition immediately began to find crypto-Jews and um, arrest them, torture them, get them to publicly admit um, their errors and their crimes. Um, often they would kill them after their admission. Um, or, if the, or if they refused to admit, they would kill them, um, and killing many of them. So the, at a certain point, the Inquisition started telling the king that the only way, or the, um, the leadership, that the only way to remove the crypto, the, the, to stop the crypto Jews from being secretly Jewish was they were in touch with the, with the Jewish community. And the Jewish community was helping them practice Judaism. So they needed to get rid of the Jewish community from Spain. So at that time, most of Spain was, this is the late 1400s, most of Spain was already in Christian hands. Most of what we know today as Spain was divided between two states. Two, the, earlier there had been many Christian states, but at this point there were two major Christian states. Castile and Aragon. So then there was one Muslim kingdom left in Spain, 
which was Granada in the south. So in 1469, the crown prince of Aragon, Fernandez, married the crown princess of Castile, whose name was Isabella. Um, and so within the next decade, both of their fathers died. And um, they became, respectively, king of Aragon and queen of Castile, essentially uniting the kingdom of Aragon and Castile, which though technically two kingdoms, became eventually the country of Spain. Um, they worked to get, they worked the kingdoms of Castile and Aragon, the now joint kingdoms, to defeat Granada, the last, um, the last um, Muslim land in Spain. And they, um, they were financed by Jewish financiers. The Jews controlled much of the banking in Spain at the time. They were financed by Jewish financiers. Um, and for, finally, in 1492, they defeated Granada and ended Muslim rule in Spain. Now, the king and queen, somewhat surprisingly, although they were very much helped by Jews in this war, they decided to celebrate their victory since they no longer needed the Jews anymore, because the Jews had been very useful in their wars against the Muslims. But now the wars against the Muslims were over. They no, no longer needed the Jews. They decided to celebrate um, their victory by relenting to the requests of the Inquisition to expel the Jews from Spain. So on March 3rd, they signed what became known as the Alhambra Decree, because it was written in the Alhambra Palace in Granada, that gave all the Jews until July 31st of that year to leave the country. Um, while it signed March 1st, it was published on May, uh, March 3rd, it was published on May 1st that year, giving the Jews till the end of July, exactly three months to leave the country. They were told they were three months, May, June, July, to leave the country. They were allowed to sell their lands if they could. They were not allowed to take any gold or silver or coinage out of the country. So they can only, could only take promissory notes of people that owe them money or um, actual items out of the country. They couldn't take any gold or silver. Um, but they were welcome to leave freely. Whoever did not leave had to convert to Christianity. So the Jews tried to use all their influence to revert their decree without success. Don Yitzchak Abarbanel was the finance minister of the joint kingdom of Castile and Aragon. He had previously been the finance minister in Portugal. He had fallen out of favor and fled to Spain. Uh, but there he was, the he was their finance minister and had been responsible for financing their war against Granada. And um, he describes in detail his efforts. He, said, he says he went three times to the king and queen, begging them to let the people stay, begging them to uh, remove the decree. He asked every person he thought that could have influence to speak to them and try to convince them. They offered a huge amount of money. Um, there seems to be different sources. In one place, it's described, he just writes, he doesn't give an amount in his own book of how much money he offered. Uh, but according to the legend, he offered 30,000 ducats, which was the currency at the time, um, to 
which apparently was a huge amount of money, um, to which the chief inquisitor, whose name was Thomas de Tacromanda, um, told the queen, Judas sold our Lord for 30 silver pieces. Will you sell, will you sell him for 30,000? And so they refused the money. And um, Jews did not rush to leave um, because they were really hoping that the decree would be rescinded by the last minute. They were hoping that there would not be a decree, that they would not have to leave. They were really hoping, as had happened previously when there had been horrible decrees, that um, somehow the authorities had been paid off or convinced otherwise. They were really hoping to get out of it. So most Jews did not leave or did not even find a way to leave. Most Jews did not bother selling their properties. Some did, but most did not. A handful, a handful of the Jews um, converted to Christianity. We don't have exact numbers, but some seem to have, especially the prominent ones, um, some seem, the wealthy ones, some seem to have converted, but the vast majority, by the accounts that we have from the period, did not. Um, and they were forced to leave by July 31st. So finally, July 31st came, and they had no choice at this point. It was clear by July 31st that it was too late. They needed to be out that day. But their bigger problem was, where do you go? Their bigger problem was where, where to go. Where, I'm sorry about the kids. Um, where do you go? Um, they didn't really have where to go. So So where do you go? So many Jews ran, went to the ports. Many Jews went to the ports where they tried to find boats. Some of them found rickety boats that were not really seaworthy and tried to go with that, purchased these boats or rented these boats. Um, many of the boats didn't get very far. Many of the boats, um, uh, many of the boats didn't, didn't get very far. But that, but so we know that while July 31st was actually the 7th of Av that year. Um, the July 31st and August 1st, were the waters were very choppy that day. Um, most boats did not set sail, and they were not killed, those that didn't leave that day. And most ended up leaving the following day, July 2nd. In fact, Columbus, we know, sorry, August 2nd. Um, Columbus, we know, left Spain on August 3rd, and he writes in his diary, that the ports on August 2nd were full of Jews clambering to leave, and so he wasn't able to set sail on that day. So he ended up leaving the next day um, after the Jews um, were all gone. Um, so estimates vary as to how many Jews actually left. So, uh, the lowest estimates are 150,000 up to 800,000. Probably most accurate is um, the account of Bagitzaka Barbanel himself, who gives the number at 300,000 Jews. 300,000 Jews left Spain. It's a huge number of people. An estimated 120,000 Jews fled overland. Now, they couldn't go north to France. France had expelled their Jews already 100 years earlier. 
and it was illegal for Jews to be in France. So France's borders were closed. You could, they could not go to France. The, other, the only other land that bordered Spain was Portugal. So an estimated 120,000 120, Jews fled overland to Portugal. There was a Portugal, Portuguese Jew called Don Vidal Ben Veniste who made a deal with the king of Portugal that he would let Jews come into Portugal temporarily. They could only stay for six months and he would have to pay one ducat per Jew which was a huge sum, 120,000 ducats, which apparently the Portuguese Jewish community coughed up to be able to help these Jews. Um, many of these Jews, the Jews that fled over land, were very poor. They couldn't afford a, a, they couldn't afford a place on a boat, um, were the poorer ones. Um, and they came to Portugal in very, very large numbers. They didn't have where to live. They lived out in the open. There were no homes. Um, they lived out in the open, building huts for themselves, tents, whatever they could do. Um, essentially what became slums. Um, and they, those that could, tried to leave within the six months. The vast majority of them were unable to do so. Um, the Portuguese king had, many of them were, got, were arrested, sold into slavery. Um, some of them were forcibly converted to Christianity. Uh, many of the children were taken away and forcibly converted to Christianity. Um, some, sent to, um, uh, some sent to Portuguese islands um, further out, uh, Sao Tom and others, where um, they most of them perished on sugar plantations or uh, on plantations where they were forced to work. Um, those that did somehow remain in Portugal were banished four years later when King Manuel banished all Jews from Portugal. The Jews that did manage to escape on boats, so many of the boats were rickety. Many of those boats fell apart at sea. Many of those boats, um, really, they, they, um, they broke apart. Others ran out of provisions on the stormy seas um, and died. Um, some were sold by the boat captains. They couldn't pay their fare. Um, or couldn't pay enough, and so the boat captain sold them as to pirates to be sold into slavery. Um, and slavery was then very common throughout, um, the, throughout the world, both in Christian Europe as well as in North Af Muslim North Africa. There were slave markets. The Jews who did make, them, make it out, most of them ended up going to North Africa, to Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, which is pretty close. It was just across the Mediterranean um, and made it to the North African coast. Over there, there were existing Jewish communities in North Africa. Um, there were existing Jewish communities. They generally welcomed them openly. They, they welcomed them. And um, they settled there. At first, it was very difficult for them. Uh, many of them were much, much more advanced. Um, Spain had been a much more sophisticated and um, wealthier land than Morocco or Tunisia. And, uh, you know, here they were kind of the guests of refugees in these backwards places. It was difficult, but slowly they established themselves. And uh, gradually, there were more... Miriam, not in here, not in here, the other room. Gradually, 
there were more um, Spanish exiles in Spain, Algeria, and Tunisia than there were locals. And they, um, with, within a couple over time, um, essentially the communities merged and became Sephardic Spanish-based communities. Um, the wealthier Jews who were able to go in better boats further made it to Italy. Many of the Italian states, Catholic states, opened their doors to Jews. Um, these were wealthier Jews. Um, Don Yitzchak Abarbanel himself went to Naples. The king of Naples opened his doors, um, allowed Jews in, hired Don Yitzchak Abarbanel as his own treasurer, um, and um, they brought their wealth. These were the wealthier Jews, mostly went to Italy. Um, even the Pope in Rome, surprisingly, accepted Jews, even though he was responsible for the Inquisition, and the Inquisition was, um, uh, was answerable to the Pope, but the Pope himself allowed Jews to settle in the Papal States, Spanish Jews to settle in the Papal States. As a result, many Sephardic Jews settled in Italy where there was already an Italian Jewish community, which was had its own customs, but was more closer to Ashkenazic, uh, and this, but they settled in, many Sephardic Jews settled throughout Italy. Um, now, a handful of Jews made an extremely long trek across the... Some Jews went elsewhere. Some Jews went to Europe. Some Jews went to... Um, some Jews went to Germany. Um, Hamburg had a large Sephardic community for years. Um, some went to Eastern Europe, where they mostly assimilated into the Ashkenazic community. But a small group of Jews moved to what had just become the Ottoman Empire. Just a couple decades earlier, the Ottomans had captured Constantinople and um, ended the Byzantine, or the what was left of the Roman Empire. And so um, the Jews... the uh, And so... They had created what was the beginning of the Ottoman Empire in modern-day Turkey and Greece. And so Jews, some Jews moved over there to Constantinople, where they were warmly welcomed. And not only were they welcomed, but the Sultan encouraged more Jews to come. So over time, Jews who had gone to places where they were not so welcome or where they were struggling, many Jews moved to the Ottoman Empire where they were widely welcomed. Um, Jews were very successful over there very quickly. And some of the very successful Jewish families over there supported more Sephardic Jews who were, again, either living in slums or had not found a place or were being sent from place to place, welcomed them to the Ottoman Empire. And as a result, Jews settled across the Ottoman Empire in modern-day Turkey, Constantinople or Istanbul, um, Izmir, and other cities throughout modern-day Turkey. Um, they settled in Greece, in most famously in Saloniki, which became a majority Jewish city, um, throughout other cities in Greece, um, in um, the Balkans, um, in, in the Balkans, um, and uh, in Bulgaria, Romania, which was then part of the um, Ottoman Empire, even southern Hungary. Um, and they also moved, um, as the Ottomans captured Arab lands, they moved uh, in the early 1500s. Many Jews moved the newly captured Arab lands to Syria, which didn't have much of a Jewish community at the time to speak of, the land of Israel, to Iraq, which as a result built into a large Jewish community, mostly Sephardic, Spanish exiles. And so 
as a result, within about a half a century, majority of the grandchildren of these Sephardic Jews, the Jews who had fled Spain, majority of them were now living in what had been the what now became the Ottoman Empire in uh, both the European and the Asian parts of the Ottoman Empire, with large numbers also in. Um, with large numbers also in, um, in North Africa. Um, later, in the late 1500s, um, Holland, which had been a um, part of Spain, although it was geographically a little far north of France, but it had been part of the Kingdom of Spain. Holland, um, which, uh, Holland became independent of Spain, um, declared independence, became a republic. Um, became the Republic of the Netherlands. And um, many um, conversos who had been persecuted in Spain, um, some who had, and in Portugal, some who had even returned to Judaism, moved to Holland, where they were able to now openly practice Judaism. Many conversos moved to Holland while it was still part of Spain, because there the persecution of conversos was less. Um, and so as a result, um, Holland soon had a very large Sephardic community um, as well. So the exile of the Jews of Spain really marked the end of one of the largest thriving Jewish communities in the world at the time, one of the most successful and longest standing Jewish communities in our history. Um, while other, there were other large communities that dwindled slowly, the Spanish community ended very abruptly. Um, due to the um, exile of the Jews from Spain. Um, the Jews boycotted Spain for many years afterwards, um, created economic boycotts. Um, they even at a time, um, the Venetians allowed, Jews, allowed Jewish merchants to seize Spanish ships um, to collect payment for the lands that were stolen from them. Um, and the Jews boycotted Spain for many years, and even once they were allowed to move there, for many years Jews did not move there because of what had happened. Um, it also led rise to the Sephardic community around the world, the um, large Sephardic community, North Africa, and throughout what would be the, what had been the Ottoman Empire, as well as in Holland and even in Germany. Um, and um, it also marked a decline in the Sephardic community um, prior to. Um, the expulsion of Jews from Spain, the Sephardic Jewish community was probably equal size, if not larger, than what was the Ashkenazic Jewish community in Central Europe. Um, as a result, though, the Sephardic Jewish community lost a lot of their members um, due to pers this persecution and due to the um, expulsion from Spain. And the Sephardic community became much, much smaller after that than the Ashkenazic community, something that really remained until the until the Holocaust, when much of which almost mostly impacted Ashkenazic Jews and very few, not there were Sephardic Jews of course as well, but much less Sephardic Jews, um, where the numbers became more cl closer to even. Um, so it, it definitely led to the rise of the Ashkenazic community, also led to the rise of the Sephardic community in the Ottoman Empire. Uh, but it's often pointed out, we, um, the Talmud tells us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu Maktim Hashem always provides the solution before the, um, before the blow. He always provides the healing before, he, uh, before we get sick. We always have the, the cure. So um, it's pointed out that on August 3rd, the next day, Christopher Columbus left Spain 
setting sail for what he would what would be the discovery of the Americas by the Europeans uh, and the movement of Europeans to the Americas, which would become a haven for Jews. And in fact, um, Jews were involved, um, whether Christopher Columbus himself was Jewish or not, I don't know, but Jews were definitely involved in the um, expedition, including Abraham Zakut, uh, who was a... Um, who was the one who drew the maps, um, the, the astronomical maps for the expedition. Um, but later Jews were involved in developing the New World. Uh, mostly Dutch Jews were very involved and uh, British Jews later were involved in developing the New World. And of course it later became a haven for Jews, a place where we can live peacefully um, and where we are today. So that is the story in short, the tragedy of the Jews um, from in the expulsion of Spain one of the many tragedies that we mourn today on Tisha B'Av.